Welcome to the Edelheit Experience, a compelling conversation about revolutionizing health and well-being, bringing you rich stories and lessons learned from leading corporate executives. Now, we'd like to introduce your host, Jonathan Edelheit. This is Jonathan Edelheit. Welcome to the Edelheit Experience. Today, I have Vital joining us. Uh, Vital, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Such a pleasure to be here. Maybe you could uh, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself. With pleasure. So um, I'm Vital. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Sorbet. Um, we're a fintech and HR tech uh, trying to disrupt uh, pay time off. Um, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what we do. I come. It's my first uh, startup, so I don't come from an entrepreneurial background. I spent most of my career in uh, financial services, working at um, a few multinational uh, banks uh, all over the world, the U.S., Switzerland, and in Israel. Um, and most recently, before starting this company, I was the chief marketing officer of the largest credit card and payments company in Israel called Isakad. Now, everyone is trying to jump into the wellness bandwagon. And I think originally, you know, when everyone thinks of wellness or well-being, they're thinking about physical fitness, fitness trackers, um, you know, people, you know, things to engage you, get you to change behavior. But now it's going way beyond that. And I feel like with this, the spin that Sorbet is taking, you guys are kind of on that innovating cutting edge where people would be like, ah, I never thought about that before. And the last two years, you know, we've seen from the pandemic a tremendous amount of stress, you know, mental health issues have been off the charts, probably can't even um, measure the the negative effect that they've had and where we're at with it. Why why do we need to rethink corporate well-being? I think, um, well, it's about corporate well-being is, is two-pronged, right? It, it has to do with the wellness of your employees in order to uh, prevent burnout and reduce turnover and, and acknowledge the, the tectonian shifts that have gone through, you know, people's lives in the last uh, couple of years. But it also has to do with the wellness of the company, the financial wellness of the company, the ability of the company to uh, mitigate, um, you know, uncertainty uh, when it comes to things like uh, pandemics and other external things that can happen to a company. And it really is um, up to senior stakeholders to take into account both. And we're kind of programmed to think that they're antagonistic to one another, that, you know, taking care of employee well, well-being is, is not necessarily conducive to the bottom line. Uh, but we've actually found an approach that that serves both and kind of proves that by investing in employee wellness, you could actually move the needle on business results as well. And and what I think is cool is that everybody's focused on, you know, let's figure out how we can get people to be healthier or engage them or get them to be more physically fit, eat eat better. All you know, and then there's a lot of tech plays all around medical conditions. And there's a lot of there's been a lot of investment in you know these billion dollar unicorns in mental health to approach mental health. You know, share with us that that vision of how Sorbet is is has creatively tied you know PTO into well being um, in a concept that I think is so simple. Once you hear it, it's kind of like ah, oh, this this makes perfect sense. Yeah, so I think that there there are two things to this that that are worth mentioning. One is that. Um, you know, there's this really amazing, amazing benefit that employers have been providing to their employees since almost the beginning of time, right? 
and it's been around forever. And it it's a it's a it's a massive line, you know, on the balance sheet. But then it's almost ignored. It's obviously underused. And instead of utilizing something that is already there and is an amazing benefit, if you think about it, employees or employers rather actually pay their employees to take time off. They pay them not to work, to take care of themselves, to recharge and recoup. It's probably the most amazing benefit and we're kind of overlooking it and it's already there. So there's this one element of you're, you're already budgeting for it. It's already there. Why don't you, you know, why don't we reposition this? Why don't we reintroduce it in effect and, and celebrate how amazing it actually is as a benefit before everything else? And the other side of it is really, you know, offering people things like, you know, wellness benefits and, and meditation apps and, and, you know, apps that encourage you um, to, to exercise requires um, something a little more intentional and purposeful around when do people actually have the time to do all of that, right? Because we're working around the clock. We're not working from home. We're expected to, you know, do all of our um, you know, home activities as well as work at the same time. And in, in, in effect, it, it doesn't really matter how much you suggest that people should meditate or, or, or go for a jog if you don't intentionally, you know, take it upon yourself to also make sure that they have the time and the resources, mind by, to do that. And so, and that's kind of our approach to firstly make sure that people have, that, that people take this time that they have this time allocated towards their wellness and actually have some budget allocated towards it as well. Um, and so the way that we do that um, is actually uh, pretty simple. Um, we connect with company systems. It could be an HR system or a payroll system. And we analyze people's uh, time off consumption habits and preferences. Um, so we can predict for each and every employee the portion of their time off balance that is actually usable, that they will be able to use as time off as well as the portion of their time that is unusable. Um, it's important to mention in this, in this context that on average, you as employees only use about 70% of their time. Um, and that creates a huge problem for both employers and employees. And we, we, we may want to touch on that in a minute, but at the end of the day, it is important to acknowledge that even if people are very, very diligent and aware, um, there's, a, there's a good chance that a portion of their pay time off is actually unusable as time. And so what we do is we create this bespoke time plan for each and every employee. And we can come to you and say, hey, Jonathan, out of your outstanding 22 days off that you currently have on your balance, we predict that you'll be able to use about 17 of them as time off. And we will actually proactively suggest when you can take this time that most fits your preferences and habits and lifestyle and life stage and so on without compromising the work. But then we'll come to you and you say, I mean, there are five days on your balance that we predict you won't be able to use. And so if you choose, instead of getting those locked away in an illiquid asset called accrued time that you won't be able to touch and you won't be able to use through survey for the first time ever, you will be able to cash those out today and use them as you please, anytime, anywhere. And we will actually start to proactively suggest highly curated and personalized activities and experiences around travel and wellness and hospitality. So to um, incentivize you essentially to reinvest it in yourself towards your vacation and towards your wellness. 
Um, and, and that's what we do. And, and by doing that, I mean, I, I'm, I'm guessing we'll get into that in a second, but it provides real financial value and wellness value to both the employee and the employer. Yeah, I would think that every CEO, C-suite, director of benefits, you know, has to realize that, you know, burnout is at an all-time high and, you know, more important than ever, where before I think companies may not care if people take their PTO. It's almost, there's that one aspect of you need to recharge. You've got to take your time off. And, you know, I think the creative aspect of being able to, you know, personalize stuff and recommend, you know, it could be wellness vacations, trips, massages, things like that, and being able to redeem it right through the system, you know, you know, provides, you know, this, this ease of access to employees that I would think would make them more productive, more refocused. Um, so I think it's very cool that that approach that you have done. And, um, you know, what, what, you know, are you looking at this as really mental health? Um, when I'm talking about, let's say the wellness side of it, of being able to redeem things, or is it productivity? Is it morale? Is it all of them? So there's that side of it. And, and certainly um, a, a lot of employers now are increasingly aware, as you said in the beginning, of the uh, implication of burnout uh, on employees, but also on, on the bottom line, right? Of course, there, there's, there are ways to quantify you know, loss of productivity and increased turnover when it comes to the actual cost of it from the employer's perspective. But in terms of, of our offering, even way before the, the wellness implications, both positively and negatively on people not taking time off, it is important to mention in this context that there is a, a more direct and immediate financial implication that is actually quite detrimental to a business uh, when it comes to unused paid time off, again, both from an employee and from an employer perspective. So if you'll bear with me for a second, if it's okay, I'll just explain for a second how actually paid time off actually works. And that would be easier to explain why there's a financial wellness aspect to this um, that is actually even more immediate and quantifiable than the, the wellness aspect uh, to this solution. Is that, is that okay? Sure. Great. So essentially paid time off, if you're an employee at a company and you're allocated a certain allocation of paid time off, what this means in effect is that, as I mentioned before, your employee actually pays you not to work for a, per a portion of your time. So uh, for the sake of simplicity, if we put some numbers behind it, say, for example, that an employee is eligible for 12 days off a year, this means that on an average month, they're supposed to work for 19 days and then paid not to work one day on average, right? The problem happens when people don't use that day, right? And as we said, a lot of people don't use all of their days. So on, on that average month, if a person doesn't use their one allocated of paid time off, what actually happens is that the employee worked 20 days, but their salary reflects 19 days. They were paid for 19 and they worked an extra day for which they haven't been paid yet. What happens at this point is that you earn uh, an asset for that day called accrued time off. You haven't been paid with cash, you've been paid with accrued time. You will see it on your payslip. You will see it on your HR system. It has a clear financial value to it, right? It's derived from your annual salary. It's yours, you've earned it, but you can't take it and pay with it at the supermarket, right? You can't pay with it at Starbucks. 
you own it, it's yours, you've earned it, but you won't be able to do anything with it until some unknown point in the future when you leave the company, which is more often than not when lots of companies will offer this in cash ultimately when you leave. But And then that's the optimal scenario, right? Because a lot of companies either apply a use it or lose it policy, or they have a cap or an expiration date on the number of days you can accrue. But in the best case scenario, you're holding on to this asset until some unknown point in the future. Of course, this can happen in a year's time, but it could also happen in 10 or 15 or 20 years time. Only then when you leave the company, will you get paid for those extra days uh, that you've already worked. And that's the financial implication on the employee side. Essentially, a portion of your hard-earned compensation gets locked away and you can't touch it. Now, on the employer side, as soon as the employee begins to hold this illiquid asset, this accrued time, there is a liability on the company balance sheet. Because as we've just explained, the employee worked, but the company hasn't paid them yet. The company effectively owes the employee this money. And so it appears as a liability on the balance sheet, but it's actually a pretty unique liability in that you can't predict it, right? It shows up whenever an employee doesn't take their time. You never know when you're going to have to pay it out. So think about taking a mortgage or a loan from a bank and being in a position where you can literally get surprised in any given moment when an employee leaves is when you have to pay it out. And worst of all, it's fixed on the salary level of the employee. So ultimately, when the employee leaves in 10 or 15 years time, you are going to have to pay this out according to their salary then. So it actually appreciates over time. So it's a really bad liability uh, with, with really great financial implications for the employer and then um, a really a, a really bad situation for the employee as well. And it's a lose-lose situation. And then, as we mentioned before, on top of that, there's the, the, the wellness and burnout and, and productivity and turnover and all of that from a, from a strictly wellness perspective. So it's a, it's a much deeper problem when it comes to unused PTO. No, I like the segue because it you know, shows how it ties into kind of mental health recharge, but also the financial well-being side. Um, One one segue myself is, you know, one of those, the sponsor for our podcast is Global Healthcare Accreditation for Business, which set the standard, the gold standard in the industry for validating companies' prioritization of employee health, safety, and well-being. And of course, they touch both the physical health, the mental health, and also the financial well-being. But, you know, part of their thing is just transparency and then communicating to employees what you're really doing for them. And I feel like this tool that you have developed, you know, provides that transparency around PTO in a way that there hasn't been that transparency in the past. Um, And I would think that with the great resignation and companies trying to differentiate themselves and recruit people, retain people, this is kind of an, an attractive tool to do that. I agree. And I think the great resignation is actually a great point because we are seeing massive resignations now. And and so we believe that our solution works, again, in two two ways. One is that, you know, it is an amazing benefit to provide your employees as an incentive, uh, as a retention tool, effectively, and as an incentive to stay. But also, I mean, if you if if this actually occurs and, and massive amounts of employees begin to reside, the, the implication from a cash flow perspective 
is really significant. It could be incredibly impactful. I mean, all of a sudden, all of this accrued time, and you know, particularly for more tenured and more senior employees, this could be significant amounts of money that you all of a sudden have to pay out to, to employees. And the ability to A, predict it in advance, and B, be able to refinance it through us could be a, a very, very significant to employ, employers now as they as they begin to kind of grapple what this massive uh, resignation looks like. What percentage of people are, are, you know, taking the PTO versus, you know, maybe not taking it? And then the second question I have is that that what percentage of people would take the cash or the other redemption benefits, you know, versus taking PTO? So it's, really, it's, it's one of the most fascinating things that we, we've started to, to kind of analyze. And, and I, I think, you know, one thing that I can start off by saying is that we're, we're seeing this across the board. It's, it's such a, a huge cultural issue in the United States around the, the legitimacy or lack thereof to take time off, to take care of yourself, to actually take time. We're, you know, we really are living under a, a corporate um, culture that that doesn't that doesn't view uh, you know taking care of yourself uh, very favorably and uh, kind of you know part of the problem now is you're seeing lots of incentives around reducing the work week for a four day work week or doing you know things like that is that it doesn't really solve the problem because even if you shorten the work week for four days a person needs to feel legitimized to even under those four days be able to come to their manager and say listen I feel burnt out I feel stressed out I need to take a day. And if that doesn't happen, if you don't, you know, change the discussion and change the culture and, and you know, provide tools and provide processes to support that, then you didn't really do anything. And so uh, to, to, to start answering your question, we're seeing this problem across the board. It really does cross sector industry size uh, and any other parameter uh, out there. I can tell you a lot of like little interesting things that we've seen. Um, so first, there's a there's a, an inverse correlation between seniority and taking time off. The more senior people are, the less time they take. That makes a lot of sense. It also makes the problem from again from a financial perspective and from a wellness perspective that much more grave because senior people do tend to earn more, and so the liability is that much more expensive. But they're also supposed to, you know. Um, provide an example, right, to their employees and, and talking about culture and talking about the fact that people don't, don't feel comfortable asking for time off really starts with managers uh, leading by example and being able to show that it's okay. It's not only okay, it's actually necessary to take time off. If you do take time off, and all research shows that overwhelmingly, if you do take time off frequently, that makes you a better performer. That means you're, you know, you're that much more productive, that much more um, creative, that's that much more focused. And so people think that if they burn the midnight oil, if they work 24-7, 365, it makes them better. It actually doesn't. So um, there's a lot of, of, of data points around that. Um, we're seeing um, a little bit of a difference between uh, gender. Uh, women do, uh, or, um, young mothers uh, particularly, tend to take more time off. They're first to take time off because they don't necessarily have enough time uh, to take in, in the form of sick leave. Um, and, and parental leave and, and things like that. Um, so I can speak to that for hours, but I think the most important thing to, to mention is, is the cultural aspect and how we need to shift kind of culture around the, the legitimacy to take uh, time to take care of yourself. I agree with you on that. I think, you know, because of the fact of the, the pressure from the last two years of the pandemic, I've been trying to be an advocate of that myself within my own company, where before, you know, it'd be work, work, work. Now it's, 
even, you know, key employees that you really need for important projects. It's like, no, 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 you need to take that time off because, you know, uh, if you don't, you're going to, you know, not be as productive. You're going to be more stressed and you need that, you know, you need that relaxation, that, that break from work, you know, to be the best that you can. Yeah, another thing that's happening now that we're seeing is because people do work remote, um, they travel and they continue working. And that's on the one hand something really cool. This idea that you know you're nomadic and and you're you know agnostic to geography and you can actually go anywhere and work from there. But it, what it's actually creating is is a situation where it's it's even further uh, delegitimized to actually take time and go off the grid and and you know shut your laptop off and, and and shut your phone down and and not work and so people are in this in this constant loop of no matter where they are they're constantly working and you know taking time off means taking time off even if you're in, in on a beach in Mexico if you're constantly taking zooms and on slack or answering emails uh, uh you know 24 7 that's not vacation right that's not going to help you recharge Vital, what made you just decide, you know, I'm going to create a company around PTO, you know, that's also going to have a well being play, you know, especially not coming from an entrepreneurial background? Like, how did this all come about? So I think that sometime uh, during the pandemic, I, 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 I actually almost stumbled upon this. I, I started talking to lots and lots of employers uh, across the U.S. and Really, just trying to understand, uh, you know, where they were, what the, what type of things were uh, on their minds, what was uh, challenging them and their employees, and without specifically asking about this and without specifically researching the space, I just kept hearing time and time again um, that that employers were concerned about the fact that their employees were not taking any time off. And one of the most interesting aspects to this, and and it's kind of a recurring theme throughout our discussion, is that as a problem, as a pain, this came up from multiple stakeholders within the organization, right? It came up from from HR and people teams, from, you know, a burnout uh, and and turnover concern, but it also came up from the finance organization uh, because as as we mentioned, there are are some grave implications from a financial perspective on companies when people don't take time off. And so, you know, the more I heard from it, the more I heard about it. And uh, it's one of those things, as you kind of said, it's been kind of laying there in plain sight, waiting for someone to come in and disrupt it because it has been so severely broken for such a long time. Um, and, and just so you understand the scope of this, each year, from year to year, U.S. employers carry over more than $272 billion in unused vacation days. That's over 900 million days that people actually could use, you know, towards their well-being to recharge, to recoup, to come back better performers. And they don't, and they leave it. And and, and it's uh, it's massive. It's a massive, massive market failure that begs to be um, to be fixed. What what future creative ideas do you have of what employees will be able to redeem their PTO for that they don't have available to them today? What what can we all look forward to? So one of the things that we, you know, when you're creating products, um, one of the most important things is to have that that almost naive curiosity and be very open-minded and kind of understand what people's needs actually are. And what we're seeing, for example, which is something that I 
don't necessarily, I mean, I, I didn't necessarily predict this in advance, but we're seeing very different types of companies with very different types of employees. So there, there, you know, if I had to say two very distinct group of people um, that we're currently seeing in our pipeline. So there's a group of, of employers who, you know, who, if you ask their employees what their most scarce asset is, they would say time, right? I don't have time. I need more time. Um, and so, you know, with unlocking this time and with unlocking that portion of designated budget toward this time, it makes a lot more sense to offer things around travel and hospitality and wellness and experiences and things like that. And tomorrow it could be things like long-term savings and, you know, uh, more interesting uh, um, offerings around that. There's an entirely different group of, of companies we're seeing in our pipeline, uh, which have more, you know, minimum wage hourly workers um, in their workforce. And for these people, if you ask them what's their most scarce asset, it would be money. And, and for them, you know, it's a very different approach where we're telling them, listen, this is a portion of your compensation that you've earned, that you worked hard for, that you wouldn't have access to otherwise for many years to come. And we can unlock this portion of your compensation now. And that can go towards, um, you know, more daily um, expenses like like groceries and electricity and rent and, you know, uh, other things like that. So we're looking into, you know, a broad array of, of uh, financial and uh, wellness products. Equal. Well, thank you for joining us on the Edelheit Experience. It's exciting to see the direction you're going and wish you the best of luck. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I feel like this is something that's so unique and there's really not competition in this space. It seemed kind of like a no-brainer. And it definitely, I think, segues the financial area uh, within a company looking at that liability of the PTO over into the wellness department of, um, you know, making people recharged and uh, and uh, and feel better. Absolutely. Thank you so much for, for having me today uh, and for giving me this amazing platform.